0: George Michael. Listeners, this is a special <laughs> episode. I'm here with my husband. Hello, friends. Editor of the Lucky Few podcast, Josh Avis. Father to Mason Truly in August. And guess what? Who else is in the office today? There he, there he is. A five-month-old rascal. He is Dennis the Menace, Tigger, and who's the other person?
1: Curious George.
0: Curious George in one, and he is a five-month-old puppy. George is, Michael.
1: He is handsome. George. And he is a stinker.
0: Michael you guys think of a top well those of you with puppies at home like yep you know he's a golden doodle he's gigantic which we love he's so cute he also i think his doppelgangers are rod stewart (laughs) um who's the artist ross um
1: yeah bob ross
0: bob ross we'll have to show you a picture we love him um josh didn't tell you this a friend recently sent me a message and said they have a doodle and they said a second doodle Um, What are your thoughts on two doodles? And I said, George Michael's listening. He's breathing in. He's hot micing the mic. Oh, gross. I said, um, oh, (laughs) we love our dog. We're so glad we have him. And we wouldn't do it again.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Georgie. Before we get to the thing, George Michael is his name. And he often will look at us. And he'll, you can just tell he's thinking, who,
0: who can I,
1: who's in charge here?
0: He thinks he is. He's Speak. no, he's not asking. He says, "Y'all know I'm in charge." So we hired we actually um, hired a trainer because God bless us. These are things we aren't. These are not our skill set. Dog training.
1: Avises are not disciplined.
0: And our first dog, <laughs> get it? He's sniffing the microphone <laughs> like a baby. All the dog, all the non-dog people in the room are like, "This skip." us dog people, you know, we're a whole breed. Pun intended and we yeah he starts on monday so i'm gonna lay the smack down
1: he can already tell it's coming
0: he hates his life i'm just kidding he loves it okay enough of this friends it is time to shout some worth and shift some narratives people with down syndrome today as you already know i am joined by the one and only josh avis um last february we did an episode like this with just josh and i and he joined me for an unscripted conversation about the challenges that we were facing with our kids and their IEPs. We were in it, as people say, well, we say. So we're back, we wanna give you a little update. Um, They say a lot can happen in a year and that is the right saying in this regard for sure. Join us for another unscripted conversation about inclusion, about our schools and an update on what's going on in that area and lots of opinions. Welcome friends to the Lucky Few Podcast. Okay, hey, everybody listening, guess what is happening oh, on oh March my gosh. 8th? Something special. In San Diego, California, there is going to be a live event. That is right. Micah, Woo! Mercedes, and Heather from the Lucky Few Podcast. That's us. We're going to be together in person in San Diego, California. Why, friends? Why are we oh. doing this? Everybody like <laughs> because we like you. We and because we are celebrating the fact that we've had a million downloads. One what? million downloads. What are we gonna do? Show up at, on our computers? No. No. We're, we're gonna not. get together in real life. I need to see your face. We're gonna do a little toast. Yes. There is gonna be alcohol what? at the event, are friends. We adults or oh what? Boy. <laughs> Um, and it's in San Diego and tickets are on sale right now. Okay, listeners, this is going to be worth it to come. If you can't make it, we're also doing a virtual ticket. There's only 40 tickets. How many? The, it is a small, intimate venue. There's 40 seats. Oh my seats. gosh. So hop on that online. Where you, Where do you go to buy it? it? What
1: is it? Run, don't walk.
0: Run, don't walk. Luckyfewpodcast.com. Hit that link. Get your ticket today. Invite your girlfriend oh, and your neighbor date night however you want to do it it's going to be amazing Woo! we'll see you, see you there. there
1: all right well let's before we get started i just want to read a review this is from allison and allison says the podcast always makes me feel so seen and heard never stop doing what you're doing it means so much thanks allison Um, Don't forget, friends! If you could leave a review on Apple Podcast, and also now you can leave a review under new episodes on Spotify, we love reading these. They mean a lot to us, so we appreciate it. Go leave a review, please.
0: Thank you so much, listeners. Okay, let's just go back for a second. This. The last February when we had this conversation about our unscripted conversation on inclusion in our kids' schools, episode 198. You can go back and listen. It was pretty real and raw. I think we were, everything was heavy, right? It was just so heavy. But basically, let's just go back and talk about what it is that we were, that was happening. Um, Guy.
1: Well, and for context, it was a really rough year. Personally, for the Avis house, so it was compacted. There was oh a yeah, lot.
0: 2023 was just.
1: It was a lot. It was personally, it was a lot. The it was it was a hard year for, um, our business, and uh, it was a hard year for our community. It was a hard year for our family.
0: Yeah. All right. The long and short of it is, in oh gosh, I think I talk about this in in the episode, and it's fair to mention now that. COVID really messed things up for a lot of us for school, maybe every single student, every single student COVID messed a lot up. I think a lot of kids who are in transition years, like fifth grade or elementary school to middle school, middle school to high school and bless all those seniors hearts who their COVID was their senior year was 2020 really had an extra layer of hard to have to be home during those really critical transition years. And that was Macy. Macy transitioned um, fifth to sixth grade in that school year. So she didn't get to finish her fifth grade year. That was one of her best years ever. And she was fully included in a general education classroom with the right supports in place. Macy needs a lot of support for inclusion to work well for her. And more than that, she needs people with a mindset of seeing her as competent as able as intelligent and as a member of the community as she is. And so with that was foundation it is foundational we had that with her teacher, we had that with her whole school, it was a small school, we had that in her class with the principal, I mean in every regard in fifth grade and then whoosh, covid ripped it from our hands and everything went to bleep. Um <laughs> seriously, I honestly think if covid had, hadn't happened, inclusion for Mason would have been a completely different journey. Hmm because she had that community piece anyways next time she goes to school in person she's in seventh grade everyone had gone from being a tiny child to being now a teenager basically or in i mean harder an adolescent yeah and she went from a school of 500 kids to a school of 1500 kids she those little friends trips she had made were not rooted deeply enough that they stuck and they were like plants dried up in the sun and the wind blew them away it was Mm. just a sad day and it was awful it was a bad school year so anyways we ended up having her switch middle schools in seventh grade because there's a school in our district that claims to be an inclusion school so we're like oh why is she not there and at the inclusion school she ended up in a life skills class (laughs) which is not inclusion and then she said to us friends here's the thing with mason mason has always in her own unique ways, communicated what she wants at school. And we have done what we know she deserves listening to what she wants and following her lead always. And she wanted to be in this life skills class because it was a safer space for her. So we chose that for her with her. And then we went to, then she said to us, I want to go class to class to class. And as we talked that through further and investigated it a little more, she let us know that she did not want to be in the separate life skills class where she's there all day. She wanted to go to first period, second period, third period. She wanted to be with her peers and her typical peers and have this, rather this. She wanted the same access and opportunity as her peers. So we started her eighth grade year out knowing that was going to happen and it was a slow start and then it was um, meeting after meeting of empty promises and we had all these IEP meetings in the beginning with like, this is a great plan. This is a great team. We're all on the same page. We're doing this all together. And then no implementation, no implementation, no implementation until Macy. And it wasn't good. And without the support in place, general education would not work for Mason. And there was no support. The support was not there. The training was not there. The understanding was not there. The mindset certainly was not there. And a school as a whole did not have a mindset of inclusion and belonging at all. And we couldn't say Like example after example example, we hired a lawyer blah blah blah, blah. and that's where we were in February of, we had just gotten out of an IEP where we were denied. Um, some we believed that Mason needed an inclusion specialist as part of her team, and that would have meant hiring another person, and we were denied that. And I'm exhausted just talking about it. What am I missing, babe? Yeah, I think
1: it's it's one thing to think about it
0: and experience
1: as as we this is what i how i remember it and i think we i think it's funny how we can remember things differently but i think there's one thing in theory it was in theory the idea everyone liked her teachers were on board and but when it came down to it we didn't have someone in charge to make it happen and that's where i think it fell through and what made her fifth gear fifth year or fifth grade year work is that there was someone who was the teacher who was willing to make it work even though she had never done had an experience like that with Mason and with a kid like Mason and so but she was willing to try and learn and grow and adapt and and so that there's a big difference and and just as we looked back and then as we experienced what happened um, the middle of the beginning of this year was that it it just takes one person. I think it just takes one key person to make a huge difference in our kids' yeah. education, in their experience. One willing to try something different. One willing to go a little bit further. One willing to understand something differently. One willing to shift the narrative. One like It just takes one. And that, I think, is a big part of it.
0: Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And so... Um... We ended up, there's a school in our community that is a public charter school that is highly sought after, and it is a lottery system. And it starts in seventh grade and ends in 12th grade, 250 students. It is an educational mindset that we believe in very strongly, and we really wanted Macy to participate. We applied in seventh grade for her in eighth grade, and she didn't make the lottery. We applied in seventh. Mason, our middle daughter truly started seventh grade when Mason started ninth, applied, got the lottery one, both girls. So for the first time, both girls are going to be in the same school and Mason, so Mason's going to be at this school. We find out that Mason is the second kid ever with down syndrome in 20 years, the second, the first kid in 20 years, second kid ever to go to this school. Okay. And that there is a special education teacher, there is not a special ed- education program. So Mason's IEP went from, um, you write in the IEP there's like a section of minutes and how many minutes they spend in every place. And it went from like all, most of her minutes in the special education classroom at her other school. I just remember since, Ken, well, first grade is when we, um, when Mason made it clear that she wanted to be in the gen ed, she wanted the same access and opportunities as all her peers. I, it had been a bit of a fight. And that minutes piece was so important and how we fought for every minute that we could for her to be with, have the same access and opportunities as her general education peers, which meant being in a gen ed setting, fighting for all those minutes and then giving those up when she went into seventh grade, eighth grade, excuse me. And then when we went to this school, she got to this charter school. By default, she got every minute back. There is no separate special education program. 100% of her minutes were in a gen ed setting by default because of how the school functions. She had a one-on-one aid. It was a lot of like meetings ahead of time, talking to people thinking, I think this could work. Like us being really upfront about who Macy is, what her needs are and looking at at the educational pillars at this school of belonging and inclusion. And like kids are just quirky there and you just get like all these different ways of learning and you get to learn how you learn. And it was like, this is going to be amazing. And then Mason is just too different. I don't, right? I mean, where Mason is, Mason needed more support than they were able to provide, which we knew going into it, but we thought they were willing. And then realized after a few months that that person we needed who would say to us literally the words, I'm in this with you. I'm here for Mason. We've got this. Don't be discouraged. We've got this. That person did not exist. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, this, I. <laughs> that was a fake cry, everyone.
1: <laughs> Heather and I are both really relational people. And so I get a little squirmy talking about something that didn't work, which is, and I don't know if we'll, we could cut this later, but. There, the idea that truly still goes to this school, we still have relationships there. We still know the teachers there. And we tried to make it with Mason, and here we are. So I I see, I get a little bit uncomfortable talking about someone in our backyard with an experience that didn't work. Yeah. And so the way I would like to at least position, I'd like to view it as, is information for our listeners from our experience as helpful for them, and not a let's bash on this church. No,
0: absolutely. That there's nothing that I have said in any regard that I wouldn't sit down across the table with everybody and say, and I I think it needs to be broader, less about Macy's experience and broader because our listeners are like, that's nice. Our kid doesn't go to that school. It is what it came down to and what we've been able to process through over the years and really put a pin in it this year is that the thing that needs to exist for a kid like Mason, right? For our kids with down syndrome who need that extra support in order for inclusion to work? In order for them to have the same access and opportunities as their general ed peers, they're going to need a lot of bending and flexing, and mindset shifting. Whereas some, we know this, guys, some of our kids with Down syndrome can more easily fit into society, yeah. right, into humanity. But what was missing, and what we need, and again, it was missing, and ultimately why we pulled her out of this school is that foundation of Exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. And without that foundation, I don't believe inclusion can work for kids who have, who need more support in order to access the world. Okay, but let's expand on that a little bit.
1: Sure. I think for, and, and sorry, this is so personal, but I'm sure it applies to a lot of people. I think a lot of it came down to behavior and not absolutely her cognitive understanding. Mason is so intelligent and so bright and so keen on how people look at her side. eye, what uh, you know other her baby her and so behavior came out as a um, I think that was the sort of the straw that broke the camel's back was that it wasn't working. And so Mason was communicating in other ways and behavior is a form of communication and it wasn't preferred behavior that they want they could uh that were they were trained to deal with. I don't know if that's the right word deal, but so that, that's that's unfortunate that it wasn't it wasn't it came down to that and there was not a lot of bending and flexing and understanding in that and that made it so hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think it, the behavior piece is really interesting. And I really, I had just said something on Instagram. So if you listened to this last week in my stories before recording, I was trying to get a little bit of a broader understanding of everyone's experiences because we're in California. Every state is different. We're in California. Some people have kids who have, who need more support in a gen ed setting and they're finding it and their kid is thriving and this class is thriving and, Um, I know that I know that's happening. I know that exists. And there's schools that are built on inclusive ideologies and practices. And everybody's thriving in those spaces. We've interviewed them here on the podcast. But I think what with behavior, like you said, Josh, behavior is a non. It was a form of communication. Behavior is nonverbal communication. And where it came down to. Where there was a big miss is the amount of times that we explained that and the amount of times it wasn't it seemed like it either wasn't understood or again there was this lack of like oh no we see mason where she's at as a learner with all these behaviors and we are for her and we are going to do what it takes Mm -hmm. to make this work because we know she's an asset to our community Instead, I think it's like these behaviors are are a hindrance to her learning because they are. That's true. A liability. These behaviors are making it so that she can't fit in. And that like idea of fitting in is not ever the goal. And or keeping her from participating, which all of that is true. But the question that wasn't being asked is why are these behaviors occurring?
1: what's tricky about our kiddos with down syndrome is that a lot of times mass education the system is built for mass education and so our hope was oh she's going to go to this tiny charter school and they'll be nimble enough to switch but i think there was a philosophical uh, miss in terms of the, the the groundwork wasn't there it was it was not willing they weren't willing to change and that's what makes it really tricky is this idea of an individual education program an iep individual we kept pushing individual individual and and i my heart goes out to all you parents who are keep saying yeah but my kids just a little bit different let's let's make this plan and and hopefully it's successful and time and time again all these parents are exhausted and all these parents are doing the work and showing up and giving the advice and and bringing the toolbox and and giving all of this to the school and yet this school still doesn't do anything and that's it's just made Mason's education experience so 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 hard and part of it to be honest was I don't know that it was a giving up it was just utter exhaustion and I don't know how much fight we had in us at the end of 2023 and so
0: yeah yeah. it was that but also following mason's lead right like yeah mason started saying she didn't want to go to school pretty regularly and there was this alternative awful experiences
1: We, we witnessed some pretty gnarly we were aware of mason's experience firsthand and and it was even out of protection to say my my dad heart can't protect her sure it was
0: in our time of observations, whether it was at a social event for families or it was observing on campus during the school hours Our times of observation, it was very clear that Macy was an other on her, in her school. And that if we could see it and she's living it, then she knows for a fact that that is how she is viewed. And that's horrendous.
1: I just want to overemphasize that yes, we retired at the end of the year and all that, but what Heather said is so critical and it's it's key that you have to follow your kid's lead. And we sought out a lot of advice, some counseling, talked to my therapist, talked to a lot of other families and you know what they all said, what does Mason want? Yeah. And so I just wanna encourage you all, follow your kid's lead, ask them. Everyone has different communication styles. Our kids, it's hard, it's tricky with mace because she can't just stay say hey this school is not working and i'm feeling left out and i'm other than all those things as said but that she said in her other ways and so i would just encourage you guys to um yeah follow your kids lead so Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about after Mm -hmm. after we make this decision
0: so then The other option is to put her at our high school and have her be included there, which will be a fight or to have her join the life skills class. And we went and observed and I brought Mason and she hung out at a lunch thing and she was, she said to me, I really love it here and I want to be in this school. And so that was that, that was her last day at the charter school and we enrolled her and she started after Christmas break or the holiday break. Um, in a life skills program that is a separate program on a high school campus that is a focus more on life skills and they will go together to p e they have opportunities to go to art class, but it's um and an option to go to choir, but it's less like they're a kid going to be w- with their Jenna peers they like go together. So it's very much separated and I think in that program, Mason is adored and she gets to be who she is in that space and make friends and be seen as lovely and able and competent. And then though in the bigger school setting, the fact that classes like that can exist, hmm. it's very othered. Yeah. Um, there's definitely a hierarchy of understanding when you have a program like that. Like one example is we know we have friends at this school and one girl's in an ASB and we went to an event that was just for the life skills class. And she was there. Anyone could go. And we're like, yeah, you're here. This is awesome. She's like, yeah, I'm getting volunteer hours. you are like, oh, okay. (laughs) Because if it was the exact same event for the gen ed setting, no one would be getting volunteer hours for being there. So what does that communicate? Right? There's a hierarchy of person. If one person is getting extra hours because they're so sweet and kind to show up for the kids with disabilities, it's othering. Yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't been that long. Um, Mason's been in this class. And... It's going great and she's so happy and I'm happy that she's there. It's a really incredible, it is a really incredible program. As we're living in this real time and, and the whole thing's unfolding around us, it's brought up, it's opened my eyes to a lot of people's opinions about inclusion or understandings about inclusion. And I, and I just want to touch on a couple of these things because it's very insightful and interesting and, and alarming, <laughs> insightful, interesting, and alarming that I shared a post on social media about Macy and it was like it was like um clickbaity, not clickbait, but it was um what's the word when it's like catchy, whatever. And it said, we've given up on inclusion in school for Mason. And that's that makes you want to be like, huh, tell me more. And I said, in search of belonging. And it was interesting how many people from lots of different walks of life. Like I know a kid who, so not a personal experience, but like my a kid at my kid's school or my kids specifically with a disability or, um, educators or paras or special educators, Jeanette, all, a lot of different voices, different experiences coming on and saying how irritated it, not irritated, how inclusion is not for all kids and how of course there needs to be a place where kids can go and be with people who they are like. And I understand the sentiment here and I don't totally disagree with it. What I've really been learning on this journey of inclusion with my kids as a former special education teacher, and I think Josh, you can relate to this too, um, is that inclusion isn't just like this aside or this thing that we're going to fight for, for the sake of inclusion, or even because it's our kids, right? Um, inclusion is a, is a mentality. It's an issue of the heart. And I, I think that it's not even about the space that people find themselves in. Um, it's about how we view other humans and it's about a foundation in which our humanity and our worth and our value is innate. And we start from there. That's the starting place. It's, the, it's this idea of exactly who you are is exactly who we pick. We're so happy you're here. We see you as you are in this, in this instance with Down syndrome. And because you are different from me, because of the ways that you're different from me, you are an asset to my life. Not something to be afraid of, not something to other into another space, but an asset. And inclusion, when it is done well and when it works, when it actually works, it's it's starting from that place of you are fully human as a disabled person. You are fully human as somebody who looks different, thinks different, learns different, acts different than everyone else in the class. And because of that, you are an asset, as you are. Then inclusion can work. And guess what? Sometimes, even with that mentality, we realize that there need to be places of separation. Think of like a sensory room in a large building. Um, I think inclusion and belonging done right, done as defined what they're supposed to be when we do it right, we're going to have separate spaces, but they're going to be spaces of honor not spaces where we other. And so this idea of like, finally, Macy gets to be around people who are like her. What a horrible thing to have to go through like her whole school education without anyone around her who's who's like her. I think you can flip that, reframe that. Like what a horrible thing for people to go through their entire education without a Macy, without a Macy as part of it. And when we can start to say that and see that as an adult I'm 42 years old, and I can see the people missing in my community and missing in my life, and I can see like man i I wish I had that. I wish I had access to this community or that I could find some kind of sense of community within this people group because their differences are what's gonna make make us like it we're gonna connect as humans, we're gonna see each other as different, we're gonna be able to celebrate that, and in so doing like builds up i think our collective humanity anyways this is my soapbox <sighs> josh what do you have to say
1: yeah it i what comes to mind when you say that is it's so um ingrained into our lives and it's so part of our the makeup of our dna of our family and our world and then you go into the world and you experience something different and so mm-hmm. that's what makes this disheartening Is to keep shouting our kids have value our kids have worth and then to try to explain that and to teach that and 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 to push that into a archaic systematic problem of education and totally really hard yeah
0: yeah to have to cons- constantly convince the adults that are gonna be working with your kids not not just the adults everybody in the space that you're sending your kids into, that your kid is fully human. Like, just let that sink in. And and my burden, again, we've talked about, like, following our kid's lead. My burden is that Macy understands every single part of it. Yeah. Two other things that came up a lot is, like, this idea of human nature, that it's our human nature to want to be around people who are like us. Like, you can look out into the animal kingdom and things like that. And I don't disagree with that again, there's a place for being with people who are like you. Absolutely. Um, we we will seek those out for our kids, right? Like we need a community of black people for truly, we need a community of adoptees for all three of our kids. We need a community of people with down syndrome for Mason and August. Yes. They should be in those communities and find solace and, um, like a ability to be known in that, in those spaces and me too and we need to remember that as humans we get to grow and progress. We get to say, hey, this is human nature, like my this is my instinct, my animal instinct. But because I'm a human, I actually get to grow and evolve and progress in this area and I think inclusion and disability is one of those areas where there is much progress to be done still. And so that's what I say to that and another thing is if we, I just shudder at a world in which everybody, or you can hear Augie playing in the background in his cowboy boots, stomping around. Um, I shudder at the idea of a world in which we are just seeking after being around people who are like us for comfort. Like, what is that world? If that is all we're after, Um, how do we grow? How do we become better? as humans individually and collectively. And I don't think we can. We have to be in space with people who are different than us, which is why inclusion is so important for everybody. I would argue more important for our non-disabled learners and students than for our disabled students. I could argue that. Not real strong of an argument, but I'm going to say that right now. And then as someone who's constantly learning and growing, maybe I'll shift that, but that's how I feel right now.
1: And I will say Heather's a lot further along than I am on this, but in terms of yeah, just understanding sort of the differences between inclusive practices and and actually the actual execution of or implementation of inclusion and and understanding that we have to assume competence in our kids. And even just thinking about the episode with Sid this year was like a mind shift. Do you remember which one mm-hmm. Which one that was? Mm-hmm. It, okay, it'll be in the show notes, but just this idea that just because Mason may behave a little different or talk a little different, or maybe isn't able to get out the full language and communication doesn't mean she doesn't know what's going on. And that's that was, because she does, our kids yeah. do, your kid does, your kid knows what's going on. And they're wildly keen on the whole thing.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I have a little example that was recent and Macy was invited to something. I want to keep things pretty vague. Um, Macy was invited to something with a group of girls um, who, and, she and she was the only one there with Down syndrome or any kind of disability, and really probably the only person that all those people in that group know with a disability. Like most of these girls her age, a little younger than her, like but like thirteen years old, she is their first experience with disability, so it's all new to them. And one of a couple of the girls, the majority talked to her like a baby. And at this particular event, I was there to help drive, and I just noticed how frustrated Macy was by it. And she just gets it. And that is like that is this was such an example outside of the school system of Macy being included, being invited every so well intended. The person who invited her genuinely loves her and people who are a part of that making it hard for inclusion to take place because they don't see Mason as a peer. They don't see Mason as fully human. They see her as less than them as evident by the fact that they're talking to her like a baby, um, and asking her patronizing questions, which is the best they can do. So yes, there's grace here. There's room for learning and growth because this is all that they know, but that's the starting point for them is baby talk, patronizing questions and Mason hates it. She hates it. Um, and so that inclusion isn't happening, can't happen when that's the mindset and mentality, even though the actual event was inclusive yeah and that i think is what we saw happening at school
1: just to your experience that are your example i i it isn't really pushing back but i if mason's not in that space those girls don't get any of that 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 exposure and proximity to mason's huge in terms of right so we so it's it's hard because you have to keep showing up you have to keep showing up. You have to keep putting your kid on that baseball team or or keep your kid's the only one in the dance class. Your kid is the only one in this and and yet it's so hard, but then if I think we can all think back to our own experiences when we were kids with meeting someone for the first time with fill in the blank and how important that is. And so that's why this is so hard and it makes me think about August and it makes me think it is working at his school and it is it he's been at the same school since tk and it hasn't been super smooth but it these kids are growing up with him and unfortunately for mason it, she didn't get to grow up with these kids and so the i i can hear there's voices out there that will say "Well, will just take her out and put her in a separate classroom yeah that's what i was saying and and I wanted to say, but it's worked the other way. And right. August is a prime example of that in a gen ed class with mm-hmm. teachers who are willing to make it work. And and yeah, August is a different kid. All kids are different. It's like everyone is different. It's a different experience. But he has friends who see him for who he is. They love him. They know his quirks. And so
0: and why is it working? Because he has a leader at the school who has said. We are so happy you're here. We're going to make this work. And when it has been hard and it has been hard, the principal at the school has been for August from the yeah. beginning. Yeah. Um, and for him, because she sees him as a member, an asset to their community. And it's working because the teachers that have seen him as an asset to the community, not as somebody who needs to change to act more like the other kids in class or fit into the mold of what the classroom is, but they've seen him as an asset. He gets it. He knows it. He feels it. And then it starts to work. You know? Yeah. You know?
1: It's, it's And I have to brag on Augie's teacher for a second. Every time I go to pick up August, not every time, most of the time I go to pick up August, his teacher comes out. And usually just by reflex, it's like, oh, what happened? Oh, wait. and nine times out of ten, it's just positive. Yeah, he's and
0: like, I want to, I, I just need to airdrop you these pictures because... I took these pictures of artists doing this amazing thing and it's been, it's been great. So I'm grateful where I feel like we have this pendulum swing here in the Avis household with our kids and their experiences. And what's also super interesting is our kid who can quote fit in, right. Who has skill sets that are more like his typical peers has an easier time being included than our kid who, uh, who, um, not appears presents with more needs and that my friends is a tragic conundrum <laughs> <laughs> um anyway if you made it to the end of the episode the answers are we have well, no answers no and
1: the reason why i brought uh, august into it is because the this community has kids who it's been a great experience and right. and their families have had great experience. And then those who are with us with Mason's experience have been it's been really hard. Yeah. Education since the beginning has been really hard with Macy for most of those years. And she's fifteen and and so that it's like, Oh, it works for August. It hasn't worked for Mason and
0: that's not true. It has worked. We've had a lot. Second grade was amazing. Right. It's been more of a fight. Yes. But we have found amazing communities, um, inclusive communities where the practice of inclusion is implemented and therefore she can have success because the supports are in place and because the mindset is correct. Yeah. It's got to be both. That's what I'm wrapping it up here with. It has to start with a mindset, with the foundation, and then the support needs to be in place. It's both. Yeah. Um. It's, I don't think it can work one without the other. But you guys let me know because everyone's having different experiences. I also need to say this, and maybe this we should start the episode with this, When my kids were younger, I was a part of some different down syndrome organizations. And the only thing I heard was inclusion, 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 like the thought it almost wasn't an option to think about putting my kid with down syndrome in a setting that is non-inclusive, like to choose that you had to fight against it. That was the only option that was being communicated to me. And I don't, think that was wrong. I think it was lacking. So the, the, the parents out there who are like, I feel this pressure as a person in the Down community to fight for inclusion, I would just go back to saying, do what is best for your kid. Follow their lead. Is inclusion their right? Absolutely. Um, do the laws support them being in a least restrictive environment, which is a general education classroom with support? Absolutely. And could the best place be for them in a separate special education program? Absolutely. And so you're going to do what's best for your kid. And again, like I said before, I think I said it here on this podcast, this episode, that inclusion is not just education. It's community, it's mm. family, it's church, it's dance class, it's the why, it's the park, it's the grocery store. And so it's not like your kid is not included in life, it's just one aspect of it. Mm. And it's one that I hope changes. I hope that our educational systems can be ones that are like, whoa, we are going to need people with Down syndrome in our classrooms because it makes everybody better. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And my hope is that you find that wherever those spaces are, you find that one that thinks a little bit differently in terms of how you see the how they see the worth in your kid. And if you're listening to this and you're an educator or a therapist or a professional or just involved with. The Down syndrome community, be that person, be be the change, you know, and and because you're making such a big difference, yeah, yeah.
0: The organization Common Ground Society, who we've had on a couple episodes, their tagline is "Be the one," hmm. and that's great, yeah, that's great. So we're gonna wrap it up here. I hope this was a little bit beneficial for <laughs> listeners. Let us know. You could honestly, like, you could go on our feedback or comments and be like, "I didn't even finish the episode because it was too specific to the Avises." So hmm. we don't want to be yeah on here not so supporting y'all yeah. we're here for you but thanks for listening and we're happy to continue the conversation too and you can ask us questions and we are in it i mean honestly and i said this as a person who was earlier who's evolving and learning there's a good chance that in the next decade i take it all back <laughs> or i don't know that i'm that i'm thinking differently and i hope i am i hope i'm thinking differently because i'm on to keep learning and evolving for good news, time for good news. Everybody, welcome to the good news. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, we have a
1: special a guest special
0: guest who walked in the room.
1: Who is gonna give you
0: guys some good news. So, welcome, August Avis, right here in the mic. Hi. Hi. Okay, August, we like to talk about good news, right? You can talk about, at dinner table, we talk about roses and thorns. Can you give us your good news for the day? Mm. Or your rose today?
1: My rose is that everybody in the Hollywood is that, um, that, um, that, um, You do fit in need, and I will just like being here. And I love that, and I I have an amazing family. That's mom, dad, and um, I, I said, um, the like people in the world that need the lesson to this you need to um, I said love being here
0: and yeah okay thanks um, man that was great thanks for sharing that good news part of that friends he said that you for the people in the world that you wish for all of them to have food right and then yeah. that your rose is being here <laughs> and your rose is your family
1: you're yeah. your magic.
0: My good news is that you're here too. Yeah. To all uh, the listeners in the world. We okay. love you.
1: Thanks, bud. I'm going to, uh, we have another piece of good news from one of our friends, Megan underscore mommy87. She said, I consider my six year old son, Toby, to be nonverbal. Though he has been trying hard to speak and to be heard lately, it's winter where I live on an island in canada and toby does not like the cold
0: toby toby i um i'm going to interject here for a second i'm in an island in southern california i'm not i'm in the greater southern california area where winter here the low in winter it's like 50 degrees which is nothing i'm sure compared to your winter and today i was walking around saying out loud i hate winter i hate winter I hate winter. Okay, continue on, Toby. I know nothing about winter.
1: Compared not to Canadian. Not, not, not for sweet Toby <laughs> and Megan. And, and so back to Toby's story. Every morning, this is what she said. Every morning when I take him to the bus, he has been saying, blow away. It's melting my mama heart. Can't wait to hear this good news on the podcast when I catch up. Thank you. Yeah.
0: Tobes do you do we call him Tobes we don't know each other that well yet Toby. Toby we love you that's great news say,
1: say I see you Toby
0: I see you Toby <laughs> alright we're gonna wrap this episode up thanks for listening friends we know that all of you out there are narrative shifters and you can head over to theluckyfew.co our podcast listeners always get 10% off with code podcast on all the narrative shifting gear over there Josh Avis after this episode you're gonna go ahead and edit it so thanks for that Ashley Fracalossi, we're heading it your way, sending it your way to continue to produce it. And friends, if you did like this episode, share it with family and friends. If you didn't, tell us. <laughs> We'd like to know. <laughs> oh my gosh, August, say don't forget to subscribe.
1: So this is a five, and this on the email on the answers. And
0: that's right, your email.
1: <laughs> that's right. Check your email. Because if you're getting one from HeatherAvis.com, then lucky you. But if you're not, go over to HeatherAvis and sign up today. What else? <laughs> Check out the LuckyFewPodcast.com for show notes and all the things that we talked about today and and follow us on social media at the Lucky Few Pod.
0: Um, and listener. You are slaying it. We're here for you always. We love you with our whole heart. We're cheering you on. Can't wait to be together for another episode next week. Until then, what do we say? I could say bye. 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 George Michael,
1: come.
0: Come here, Georgie. Come here. Um, When you got down, he jumped up on this and like stood on there like a goat.